0: All right, and welcome to the Dice Screaming Podcast, take two. Oh, <inaudible> yeah, yeah, extra innings, indeed. Uh, yeah, so we had a whole half hour, glorious half hour, to talk about news and stuff and ramble on. Like, yeah, I totally cool. did the doot-doot doos, and and uh, yeah, lost it all, lost it all. So we're gonna uh, see if we can actually get a podcast out. So, we're going to just uh, do a quick intro here and then get into the meat of matters. So, if you're seeing this is a little short. Well, hey, sometimes you get some bonus content and we're shorting up, but but it is free.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: uh, we, <laughs> we, we
1: <laughs> deservedly so. You can mm. expect no less from the deeply confused and inappropriate Astrolabe oh. of uh, gaming you podcasts. <laughs>
0: oh look at those celestial bodies oh, so spinning spinning we were gonna have we were going to do i was gonna spring one on mike we we're gonna do a little bit of an aster gallimancer but he's on vacation because he's confused so we're just looking in the astrolabe and what we're coming up with is the d d new edition release will be our next podcast so that's what we spent some time talking about yeah but of and course, we had difficult... a great time doing it, and now it's gone, and it's deeply embittering. But and we're... it's getting on in hours, so uh, we need to. Um, I got chores and errands to run, and then um, Mike's got to run out here. So we got to get moving on here. So we're just going to hustle it out the door with this one and kick it to next week. But we will be talking about the D and D new edition. Release.
1: Yes, yes. The they have released the schedule, and that is going to be our topic of discussion. We will say no more on it. And...
0: Until yeah. then.
1: We'll uh, in the, the short form version of the news, uh, we lost Mojo Nixon, mm-hmm. uh, beloved punk rock icon. I will uh, man, I am personally a little wounded. That that first time you hear a song that like lights your head on fire for me it was Burn Down the Malls. Uh, you know, you, you really <laughs> you really had to hear Mojo Nixon and Skid Roper to understand that like the the oh, fact yeah. that they popped up out of nowhere in the eighties and um you know just had the success that they had was amazing so and it was a hoot
0: we, we miss you mojo uh, and that what that was was rest like, in power in jam uh we were talking about lee williams pointed out that the fabulous free, free brothers was not as i said last week yes uh done by ralph he Cromwell. gets our remissy award yeah our remissi was remissy. well it's our no award. so we'd be remiss we didn't remiss uh, yeah our remissy. we dropped the ball yeah, it's Gilbert Shelton. He was the one who created it. And uh, probably the reason why it, it blends together is because not only the art style is kind of similar. I mean, like the Doodah Man from Ralph Crum is iconic from that era, but also uh, Fritz the Cat, uh, Fat Fairy's Cat from Gilbert Shelton. Um, those probably blend together a lot more. Um, I was referencing um, Drugs and Where to Find Them from the Fabulous Free Free Brothers, which was very subversive about independent comics it was I did one not thing get
1: hassled by the man bro
0: or ripped off or yeah. killed <laughs> yeah <laughs> no. <laughs> do not do these things be <laughs> aware for
1: all of you who have like just recently delved into this little criminal subculture here's a
0: whole bunch of pitfalls you probably want to know about which was strange for probably 10 year old reading this and playboy but anyway the idea was that yeah, you uh, I learned some stuff from it, and it's subversive, and that's what led us to talk about Mojo Nixon as one of the subversive. And of course, it was a nostalgia moment, which Mike named the intensity guy. because we don't have it because we're not well, we're not as hormonally, uh, we're not enslaved to our hormones <laughs> as much as we once were.
1: Yeah, I I, I had a whole magnificent rant, uh, and Beautiful. I'm I'm super bitter about that being gone. I know. Uh, because I nailed it. I, I did way better with it. Now, I, I'm going to short form it because obviously we're overcoming a loss of, of material here. Yeah, gotcha. uh, and I don't want to pillage all of our time for my little rant. Now, short form, uh, in between like the onset of adolescence mm-hmm. and uh, about the age of 30, you know, when when all of a sudden you're, by no coincidence, uh, insurance costs for you driving a car drop because yes, they have already figured out this is when people settle down, okay? This is when you are less excited. You start to get your head together, recognize your own mortality, focus easier, okay? Now, there is a you know period of almost 20 fricking years in between that, like just as the cusp of adolescence settling in, where you get a giant dose of hormones hitting your system and your intensity dial is set to 11 everything you encounter is encountered you encounter it with a level of passion that is possible that you will never have again okay that after you get past a certain age nothing is you encounter will have that impact on you the way it did ever again and this is the reason we think of nostalgia as poison people worship the things that they encountered because of the state of mind that they were in at that time. The first time I heard Mojo Nixon, it lit my head on fire. Uh, first time I heard the Pogues, holy crap, bottle of smoke by the Pogues. Uh, I, I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. I was like, I didn't know anything could be this good. I am literally so happy I am shaking. Uh, the first time I heard Rush, Red Barquetta, you know, these are almost primal experiences. And the thing that people have to make peace with is there is a time and place for that. And you have to make your peace with saying goodbye. Like when you Mm. lose that hormonal state, the intensity dial comes down. Doesn't mean that everything new is crap. It just means that you're never going to have that experience again. You, you watch a movie when you're 11 and you, Go like this was the greatest thing ever and you try to watch it again when you're 40 and you go i don't remember it sucking this much i <laughs> I, I just don't like this the way i did
0: don't a be lot of people felt the same way what you're talking about with masters of the universe I've yes dealt with somebody who like they when they were young it was totally cool incredible and yeah you know it was, they knew it was a little chintzy or cheesy whatever but they get the dvd blu-ray version they watched watch them and like this is this this is crap (laughs) why why did I ever enjoy this and like yeah I I get you I mean I've had that mix look when I was a little kid you know Mike was talking about we lived in an age of just awesome music on the radio that you could turn on for free and I heard 10cc uh don't cry and that was like an emotional wave that hit me and I was very little but it affected me intensely and then as i got older you know i listened to it i See, still have I was, the same effect. it still has a weird effect on me but it doesn't ha- it doesn't slap the same yeah i there was a point
1: when i was still in childhood proper where i was interested in stuff i'd hear music and i'd be like well that's kind of cool i yeah that that's nice man but I,
0: yeah you were you had a,
1: I, I had a level head as i approached i had childish curiosity and a sense of wonder but that's all i had then Adolescence hit, and I the intensity dial hit eleven. And from that moment on, everything I had contact with, all the way through into my late twenties, was just like Archer Little. Woo, Lana! he remembers me. Look at his spots.
0: Look at his stuff in here. I cannot wait for Archer to die off. Oh, by way,
1: just there, so. Yeah, it's been fourteen years. Yeah, I mean, think. it's and every
0: I, reference. I, but
1: but yeah, the point is the intensity dial was up. And then eventually, finally, it wore off and don't, don't mourn it. Don't. That's what I wanted to tell people is that there is still stuff that you can enjoy. Don't let that illusion that is caused by you losing the hormonal capacity for that level of excitement. (laughs) Remember that is also why like teenagers do all the stupid things they do. It's not because they're terrible human beings. They are under the influence of a lot of stuff.
0: This Post Malone
1: album is the greatest thing I've ever heard. I know why you feel that yeah, way. Like.
0: I know why you feel that way. Hey, look. You're wrong. My moment is about <laughs> Destroyer, God of Thunder. Yeah. First time Not I heard Heartbreaker there's... by Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Oh, be oh, still my heart. <laughs> Babe, I'm going to leave you. Uh, yeah. That was it for me. I but blew my sorry. Now, up.
1: I have done the short-form version of
0: the rant, oh, yeah. uh, and I did it in, like, four Yeah, I, and I you know what? We can we you in. We have to, maybe we have to do this more. We have to put yeah. pen you up a little bit and uh, channel you right to the slaughterhouse. So. Yeah. All right. But uh, Okay, so we're going to take a brief break here, see if this works. <laughs> but uh, with Russ here, we're going to be back with. Wish us luck. DM as a craftsman. as our, our top. So, stick around. We'll be back. All right. And we're back. And so, we're here we're with Topic back. too. Yes, we are. So, here we are talking about Diem as a craftsman. So,
1: yeah, we went with our big rule of threes, which uh, it's almost ludicrous the way uh, we each prepared our materials separately. Like, I, I had my notions on what I wanted to bring across as the largest facets. It's not that there are no others but for the sake of a speedy and thoughtful discussion on the nature of a dm as a craftsperson we you know we both went with the rule of threes and our results came out nearly identical with like a slight difference in the way we we chose titles and words but wow that it it just says that after all these years of gaming Forty five years of gaming each, uh approximately. <laughs> uh and then like forty of those years gaming as a team Uh you can really tell that like we, we share the
0: same headspace on what it takes. So yeah, yeah, launch, well these I I would say it's more of uh, the fact that we've covered these topics many before. And what I want to start off with is the DM as a craftsman. It's the topic itself is A lot of people talk about there are various skills that you need to incorporate as a DM. And that to DM is itself a labor. It's a process that you learn. You only get better at by doing. There's a lot of conditions to being a DM. And I think one of the big things that people talk about, and they're very right when they mention is how much labor is involved. And by investing that, it's like a trade or a craft. And when I use the word craftsman, I don't mean to be gender specific. Like you can only be a man. It's in the general terms I'm trying to use. So forgive if I use craftsman to anybody out there. Because you can be a craftsperson, person, but it just doesn't. It, it's probably a factor of my uh, culture and growing up in that I use craftsmen to donate, detonate anyone with great skill and that put effort into it. So. We want to bring this out as this is not a how-to or what you should do. This is not an absolute guide because I don't think, look. Oh, it would be
1: ludicrous to attempt to contain these concepts inside just the three spheres that we have outlined uh, for this discussion. Uh, So we acknowledge that right at the forefront. Uh, The DM as a maker of things, uh, the three facets that we've identified are decidedly not (laughs) here's my Uh vintage reference uh you got to think of it as uh the jewel of many facets Mm. okay Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know okay infinite facets of of the adjacent of inestimable beauty oh yes okay that is dming you can never truly like you, you there is no means by which to see them all at the same time it is too grand too large too beautiful we are all basically like the old you know, like parable of the three blind monks and the elephant, and they're all holding a different part. And one of them's holding the tails. An elephant feels a great deal like a rope. (laughs) Another one finds the leg. You know, an elephant is a great deal like a tree. The other one's up against the side of the elephant. The elephant is a great deal like a wall. Okay, all true, but you're all beholding a tiny portion. So all the other portions that we don't mention today are absolutely valid. Okay. Just, right. Those are all facets, too. But we have like 30 minutes to work with.
0: So, right. We're we, gonna, have a, we have a process to go through here and to cover everything and be authoritative about it.
1: No. Oh, no. look, a
0: lot of other people have advice on it and we're not trying to gainsay them. Yeah, we've talked about it. <laughs> Take enough. their
1: advice. I, yeah, there is almost I almost guarantee that, like, everybody is going to find another facet, something of interest, something
0: useful that you can harvest from. Yeah, we we try to revisit this topic not as a way of recycling information, but a new way of looking at it. And I was intrigued when someone brought up that the DM is a craftsman, that there's devotion, that there's time and effort placed into the discipline of
1: being and acquired skill. Yeah, that like that it's a process. There is no perfect beginning. You know, there is no perfect ending. It is a continual process of growth Mm. uh, that whenever, you know, a a person finds themselves in that hot seat uh, or they take an interest in it and then they decide to run with it, those first efforts are pretty much always clumsy. That's normal. Um, And that is not a reason to quit. Those are skills and you have to hone them. So,
0: yeah, you can only get better by doing them, and that's why it's a craft. I don't, It's not something you, uh, you can spend as much time as you want watching YouTube videos and reading books, and they will help you. Don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to dismiss them, but what I'm saying is to actually, until to use an analogy here, until the rubber meets the asphalt on this, you're not going to know how to put them to use. And yeah. You've got to have that experience, and it's, Putting yourself out there, which we'll get to. But first one, where I'm going to go to, uh, I kind of had this one. Uh, what did you think?
1: I used the term creative, okay, uh, as a universal term, like you mentioned, a designer creator.
0: Yeah, DM as and, a designer creator, as this. A...
1: And when I said creative, I mean it in the same way and as respectfully as uh, authors, uh, playwrights, filmmakers. You know, a lot of musicians. All of mm-hmm. those things involve. Structure and creativity, and like you can be creative in the way that you apply structure. I mean, people find ways to innovate. Uh, you know, come on, man, listen to Miles Davis, uh, Bitches Brew. You know, you you're hearing people take jazz in a in a way that it had not been taken, and <clears throat> bringing everybody along yeah. for the ride. So, a DM as a creative is like this is an essential component one of the the first of our big 3 <laughs> if this is your first time at dm club you have to create <laughs> uh, it's it becomes an essential quantity in what you're about to undertake
0: mm-hmm.
1: that it's not just recitation you don't just show up and here is that which is written before me uh, and you know you you have no connection to it no creativity the fill in the blanks nature invites you to start pushing your own creativity into it and if you haven't felt that that awesome pull i I feel like you've missed a principal part of the experience because then you begin to fill in the blanks and you have to be creative you have to just like either you lose interest and go uh i i don't i don't like this i i don't know what to put here or you like it and you start going hmm what if and there the magic
0: begins now you kick in well yeah this. I was just letting you have that yeah okay absolutely because creating look it's the essential job description it's like as the entry level is and this is using it strictly as a term of employment as a DM you have to create now whether you're using a pre-prepared adventure or a, a scripted narrative whatever You just have to come through with that. And that's part of being the creative process. You have to decide what you want to use. Even if you're using a pre-scripted narrative or an adventure, you still had to sit down and learn, read, and understand it as well as accept it and say like, this is something I want to run, or no, this is something maybe uh, I'm not ready for, my players aren't ready for. And basically as a DM, you also have the ability or the excuse me not the ability you have the obligation to know your players and who you're playing to and how to play with them but I'll get into that one we'll stick a pin in that one for later but uh one of the big things as a designer and creator is the world as a DM comes through you are the filter which everybody experiences it so it's very important that the world you portray even if it's just a small area that the players start in that that is your creation because no matter what kind of world you're using if you're using a campaign box set like uh greyhawk or forgotten realms or whatever um that none of those uh campaign settings provide you the detail that you will be obligated to create and narrate for your players that is solely up to you they can give you a a starter place uh geez uh kind of draw a blank on the uh, first adventure for the old forgotten realms box set, where well, they did a very good job of starting you out in one area with very detailed i think it was a shadowdale or something like that mm-hmm. that was very well set up uh anyway you are the as a dm one of your big rewards for all this event and uh, investiture what is your payoff well it starts a lot of times with you with them narrating like as a dm you want uh you will get to play the major important npcs of the campaign kings demigods dragons archmages these are all your characters to play and portray for your players and they're right but the real expectation is you're going to end up playing the innkeepers bartenders and merchants that your players encounter as well as some of the monsters.
1: For the rewards, I wanted to say like a a magnum opus moment is the thing that I think gives people such satisfaction, okay? Sure. uh, An example would be why do we so often encourage people to take inspiration from film, from literature, and from from music and other sources, and then filter that down into their gaming? Because there are core concepts that as a creative, all of those other creatives have things to teach you. Okay, that's why we do that, and that is why we are so passionate and consistent about it, because it is incredibly important for a person who is trying to be a creative to have these influences, helping them to go, that would be great. And it gives you your opportunity to say, uh, like, M. Night Shyamalan, okay, to, to pull a sixth sense moment.
0: Ooh. Yes. I, I don't know. At a I, game I don't, table. Mm.
1: Okay, or, or, all right, okay. I hear you. Um, uh, how about a what a twist? I, I yeah, I don't like the Well, all right, Reservoir Dogs. You know, you you find mm-hmm. out like that that bitter betrayal. You know, like, what do you mean? <laughs> He's the cop all along. Ah, okay. You you can have the magnificent betrayals. Uh, you can have a red wedding moment, Game of Thrones style. Uh, all of these things become possible in gaming sure. when you as the creative right. have had the influences and the experiences and the literature and the music and all of these other things, you can have that incredible twist where six incredibly seemingly unrelated things come together, that, like that the stuff that you mentioned in the very first game that didn't make sense then suddenly makes sense at the very ending in the critical climax mm-hmm. moment. Bam, it all comes together. And all the ingredients hit, and the players realize, oh, my God, it's been building to this for, like, literally six months of play. And it was hidden right beneath our noses. Like, all the clues came back to roost. That's the power. That's the reward. The payoff is to look in all those people's faces when you have that magnum opus moment that well, I offer you.
0: Well, that is one, but also that comes with experiences. That Did you? you. Did you plan this all along? No, I just improvised and uh, just kind of, I just stumbled this together. Improv
1: games are great, but I love the Magnum But they don't
0: have to know that. And, you know, that's kind of bringing you down with like, oh, did you come up with this grand idea? No, no, you didn't as a DM. I'm going to tell you, most of the time you just stumble into it. You just hope it all works out.
1: Right. I included some stuff from Akira Kurosawa, and I blended it with some stuff that and I you guys I did. The, and the players
0: put their own spins on it they did their own shenanigans and, and had their own playing to it and that's what it is it's a mix uh, again we'll revisit that that goes back to a pin but i just wanted to say the more often you're going to portray the innkeepers bartenders and merchants but that's you're starting out just like the players are a lot of times in these small areas and you're going to build up to being able to play the the gods the dragons and the archmages and all that as they level up so you are going to be there you're going to get there but you know you don't start there so you kind of got to cut your teeth on some of the stuff that is easier to portray you know nobody's going to remember the the bar the innkeep but i was thinking about it last week when i mentioned my goodness is clean as an elephant arse and <laughs> you know what yeah you know that it's not a bad way to start but you know you don't have to use that one exactly but you know somebody who's proud of their they're in and they're going to let you know about it so <laughs> Uh, so the next one I'm going to pull up here is the DM as a referee and judge. And I'm going to be brief on the first one. As a referee, uh, we all know that you're the interpreter of the rules. That's You have to know the rules or at least be able to access and interpret them properly. Yeah, a, a
1: reasonable understanding of the mechanics of the game involved at that time.
0: That's necessary as an entry level. Now, having put through that, you're going to be put into situations like okay so i get a plus two for attacking somebody on this tape jumping on the table and attacking yeah sure you know that seems like a fun thing to do okay so now i'm going to carry a table with me in everywhere i go and i'm going to put it in a bag of holding and take it out and okay you see where this is going yeah you know now what you did as an adjudication to, to kind of reward a player for being clever and and fun loving yeah, I, I swing from the chandelier and land on the table, attack Okay, you get a plus two to hit. Okay, so I'm just going to carry a table for right me. now on, and I get a plus two to hit. Uh,
1: yeah, you, you find yourself in the awkward position of uh, nerfing that which is taking it too far. Well, you know, being generous when you want the dramatic excitement and the interest to peak. When you want to encourage creativity and then it stops being creativity and starts being exploitation like, yeah i found the loophole the secret code uh, no you, you gotta help coax people away from that and it's brutal being a referee uh, being a rules keeper uh, and an interpreter of events is tough and it's a grind and it's not the rules is written part that is the grind to learn it is The unspoken cues in human interactions that, like as you work with and collaborate with other people to play a game, uh, learning not to stomp on toes and burn bridges, and uh, you know how to explain things in a way that invites them to continue playing. Like, like, all right, (laughs) Uh, I love you, bro, but I I cannot let you have this. Okay, it's not hate. I ain't hating on you, but. I'm, i i got to come down on a firm note. Uh, then why did you let me roll the dice? To determine the number of parts your body is scattered into.
0: Uh. Well, you know, <laughs> and uh, the way to stop the player with, from carrying a table with oh, him in his dude, bag of holding
1: dude, it. Dude, it, it's like the uh, wood chipper in
0: Barco. just. <clears throat> so. Alright. Um,
1: that's, that's where that went. That, that was not a roll to defeat the wood chipper. That was a roll. Roll die you eight. Threw yourself into the wood chip. So
0: I pull out the table. Roll die eight. Why? Right. Just roll die eight. Oh, okay, I pull out the table for my bag of holding. All right, it it, it uh, chews you up and spits you out. Huh? It was a mimic. <laughs> it was a what? It was a mimic. Well, oh, that's just mean. Well, how did the mimic get in there? Well, when you left your table out, and you went into the next room. <laughs> and he came back and put the table back in your bag of holding yeah it was a mimic and now he you know.
1: well you're mean
0: I know well I okay that that gives me the next point so what does this mean like okay the last part here is the judge and in uh, John Peterson's playing the world book he talks about Kriegspiel being the birth of really the referee judge
1: and we have discussed this in the past yes. and, the, and the misty origins of gaming is in miniature war gaming
0: in the miniature war gaming tables uh they did have books of rules and the cadets at these war colleges would study them and they would come up with they would find loopholes and exploits like cannons will always destroy anything in their target range you just eliminate that base of models in the range of the cannons no dice roll needed so <clears throat> During one session, um, the cadets were playing. Uh, one cadet had his uh, cavalry charge a position of fortified can- or in place cannons, and at this point, uh, they started removing the models. The judge came over, this Prussian officer, and took half the models and put them back on the board. And the students protested, they, "What? That's not in the rules. You can't do that." he's like, were you there at Mers la tours in 1870 with the emperor's own? I was. And we took those cannons. We destroyed them. That's why I walk with a limp. <laughs> yes, he lost his horse, lost part of his leg, but.
1: You know, a sufficient quantity of persons survived the cannons.
0: And he, and he overcame to... his, and he yeah, looked at his students and said, basically. War it.
1: is not as predictable as rules is written. And that is the point in our referee judge column. Here, you have that The responsibility that lies upon you <clears throat> is not something that can simply be spelled out. You are the representative of the rules and the interpreter of the rules. Not simply. The, you're
0: not uh, bound to them.
1: You, you're not just here to parrot them. Okay. You are actively engaged in them. And it is a process learning how to adjudicate.
0: Uh, and occasionally you do have to break your own rules. Yeah. And, but as a judge. Sometimes you have to make different decisions based on the different criteria and situation.
1: And we highly recommend our earliest episodes for a re-listen on DMing, because uh, among them were advice to early DMs in, like, look, sometimes a fudge is the right thing to do. Even though it's the wrong thing to do, and I don't generally approve of it, there are very specific instances where I will fudge. Why? For dramatic effect. Uh, and it... Some people go, well, then the dice have no meaning whatsoever. Like, no, they govern about 98.5% of all encounters. uh, And, you know, I will let the chips fall where they may. But I I will let people die.
0: You are not an impartial observer. You are an active participant.
1: But I understand that, like, part of the role as an entertainer is not, uh, you failed a role building a campfire, your character burns to death. This is not an exciting, fun moment for the character. Uh, You know, now you're battling the Hobgoblin Chieftain, and a poison shank gets you in the ribs, and you fail a saving throw for poison, and you died in glorious battle against a horrible foe. We will mourn you, and that is an epic, awesome death. But, uh, you know, (laughs) you failed a disease check and didn't catch on fast enough, so, like, your face rots off. You know what? Just being crappy to people because the dice said
0: so is not your job. Um, Yeah, you're an active participant. So so rather than saying that it's a good time to fudge or not, you're the judge. You can take those models and put them back on the board and stare everybody on the board and say this is what happens. And I know the reason why, because I've sat at many tables and watched games just fall apart and everybody lose interest because of one stupid ruling, And that's what's happening here, and I'm going to prevent it. I let the dice include risk. However, I am the
1: ultimate shaper of where that risk is going to be applied most heavily. Where and that's your emphasis? payoff
0: as a DM, and it comes with yeah. experience. And that power, do not overabuse it, do not take it lightly, but it is yours as experience to make. As I use the comparison, if you are seeing a game falling apart and the things are going to just go out of hand because of a dice roll, well, guess what?
1: Be ready to intervene like be like don't feel that you are absolutely handcuffed Uh, you remember that you are here to represent and uphold the rules okay but you are not in like a you're not in a cage (laughs) and for this we refer to the very first you know publication of the dm guide in which mr gygax himself very succinctly explained that all of these people out there who read this and become dms they will want to do their own stuff. It is expected that they will be creatives and that they will be creating material and that they will be adjudicators and that they will have to exercise their own judgment. Uh, it was not an insistence of these rules are to be obeyed. As Iron, you know, no. yeah, it the, says it right in the back. From the moment of
0: creation, it was understood this is going to be a part of your job. From the from the back of the DM's guide, it says that if you play. With these rules, with the spirit that they were written in as intended, then you will. And that's where the raw versus Roy Ra distinction comes from. Rules is written, rules is intended. If you play them as intended and as they're written and you understand there's a difference between the two, you'll be fine. And that comes with experience. And you can only do that. You cannot teach that precisely from a rule book. You cannot listen to our podcast and say, I'm going to apply this judiciously and and fairly in all circumstances you're going to mess up yeah get you be okay with it yeah and and we we said good. That somebody says oh i episodes. thought that I, you did us a bone deal or i felt like you robbed us of our victory well you know i was trying to help this and this were my reasons but the other part is you're the dm you have to take it yeah responsibility. So. Well, I'm now I, our big finish yeah we're talking about the dm as an entertainer and host now this is where we have a lot of pins stuck in this one. It looks like a pin cushion. So we're going to pull them out here. The storyteller, the entertainer, the host. This is you as an entertainer. And we've made some crude comparisons in the past to being a drag performer. <laughs> so I'm not going to definitely pull that one out. But
1: I say crude, but, uh, you know, let's face it. Let's ice. It. Like, you know, uh, it is about being front and center. It, yep, It has very much to do with being there to put on a show and uh, putting a lot of effort in to be ready for it. And the payoff is being center stage, the lights are on you
0: and bam, showtime. A lot of DMs stumble around they say, oh, well, I'm not very good at storytelling or I'm not very good at voices or I don't. Hey, look, I'm hearing excuses here. This is a DI in me. Those are components, not laws. You're going to either do them or you're not but don't be afraid to throw yourself out there put it out there you know make a funny voice maybe it doesn't always work maybe people even kind of cringe and you're like oh but you learn something right so that's an important thing <laughs> okay that voice totally Steel quotes from video games
1: if that's all you can do just god might get nervous a man approaching with his weapon
0: drawn <laughs> Uh, you know, just Right. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you until I took an arrow to the knee. Yeah, we all know that one now, right? Let me guess. Someone stole your sweet
1: roll. <laughs> uh, you know, it just you can have all of those things. You don't have to be perfect at them. You don't have to nail it every time. But uh, you will improve. But, but time and practice will at least let you do a slightly better job the next time. And being an entertainer is fun. It's its own entertainment fail gloriously, and have a great time doing it. And storytelling. Uh, Storytelling. We did not do good voices for anything when we were 13 and 14.
0: Okay, Mostly because they were changing.
1: Yeah, our voice one week was not the same as our voice the next week. (laughs) Yeah, if you've ever heard somebody try to do Clint Eastwood because he's awesome, but then have your voice crack in the middle of it... um, (laughs) It's freaking freaking hysterical. (laughs) Uh, Because we have old tapes Uh of us that can keep us humble.
0: We know exactly
1: what we sounded like when we were 14 and 15. (laughs) But it is very
0: funny. We were also storytellers because we came from a literary genre, a background approach. We read books and comics. And that's if you're afraid to tell a story, sometimes just let the players tell the story for you. All you have to do is be there to interject when you see an opportunity. And that is the pin I wanted to pull. As a storyteller, how do you craft that great narrative that Mike was talking about? You you took all these elements, you blended them together, and now you pulled out this glorious twist. Um, I just faked it. (laughs) I just saw moments where I could interject these pop points that I had lurking around in my mind. I thought this would be really cool. And it turned out it was. And again, sometimes you will make... A interjection or plot point and it will fall flat and people are like I don't, I don't understand what this is all about so yeah that happens too but again yeah. fail forward so yeah. you learn something from it well,
1: fail gloriously and have a an awesome time doing it do not let that like oh it didn't work like i thought I, hey you know what it's like baking cookies like <laughs> there's only just so bad it's going to turn
0: out with those ingredients it's an art not a science so yeah um Wrap it up here, though. I think the DM and entertainer host uh, a lot gets said about the host. Sometimes you host the game; you have to set up and prepare and take down. That takes time as well. And
1: so that that's... brings us to the, the the tidbit that I wanted to include was the interpersonal relationships. Which, if you have great difficulty with that, that is a thing. It is a major facet. You will interact with a wide variety of people, and you must become personable and adaptable. Uh, you must be able to work. With a variety of people if you do not hone that skill over time uh, it will be much harder for you and that's that's a threshold that every dm has to overcome uh it is challenging and yeah because
0: it, you are you deserve credit for it because you have to work at it you're often the scheduler you're the executive as far as like if it comes down to well what should we do what should, should we play at uh bill's house or should we play at the game store this week but your um, your input has considerable clout because and exercising that skillfully, thoughtfully, creatively, that's that's tough. It is. And also being the executive, sometimes you have to make it a tough call and decision. And some mm-hmm. people let that go to their head. Like, I am the ultimate arbiter of everything that happens in this group. Okay, cult leader. <laughs> Commander Unterbeit. But you got to remember, keep grounded. You are a co-player. You are a participant, just as everyone else is. You are no yeah. more or no less important, even if you are the facilitator. But all, all right, right, that wraps it up. That is our take on the DM as a craftsman. Those are the tools you have and those are the skills you must perfect, and you can only do them by perfect them by doing them. So yeah, and there's so much more out there. Oh One, hey, we'll be there to discuss
1: that another time.
0: All right, we're until running then. short. Yeah, until then. May the dice oh, always roll, roll in your, your favor.
1: favor. We're out. Yeah.